All right, well, we are in our third week of our Advent series called Born the King. The, the question I have for you this morning as we get started is, have you ever had something confront the expectations you had of someone or something? Uh, have you ever expected a, a certain thing to happen, or you had certain expectations of an experience and you were let down? Can you think of something? I remember moving here 13 and a half years ago. Uh, we got here and everyone talked about a couple of fast food restaurants that we had to go to. Uh, one of those being White Castle. I was a little disappointed uh, in White Castle. Sorry if you're a White Castle fan. I had a high, high expectations. I had always heard of White Castle. And then I had White Castle. And I thought maybe I went to the wrong White Castle. Uh, but I just wasn't very satisfied. Uh, and then I have to be honest, I'll eat it, but it's not my favorite. Uh, and that's Emo's. I apologize. Uh, some of you are disappointed in me, and I understand that. Uh, but I just, I had this expectation of this incredible St. Louis pizza. Again, I eat it. Uh, it's good. But, you know, it's just kind of, kind of let down. Uh, you've had expectations of something, and they weren't, they weren't met. There was a story this week of a lady who bought her dog a, a dog bed. I don't know if you saw this, a uh, uh, golden retriever and it showed up Amazon delivers this dog bed and uh, she was experiencing or expecting something a little different uh, but we have a couple of pictures here of this dog uh, finding out about his yeah yeah the next one's even better yeah love <laughs> it uh, the expectations uh, that the owner had was that the bed was going to be a little bigger uh, hard, hard to see the dog acts like it's the greatest thing he's ever ever had, but you, you've had these expectations. My, my wife, who broke her leg, as you saw, uh, five weeks ago tomorrow, last time it snowed, uh, has been anticipating today uh, for almost a week. There's been this expectation of snow coming and what that's going to mean for her specifically. Uh, and so just real quick, uh, who expects more than five inches over the next 24 hours? Okay, less than five inches. Who thinks? Yeah, see, so we have different expectations about the same thing. And some of you are going to be really excited when there's no school and we have eight inches of snow. And, and some of you are going to be disappointed when it stops at two. I don't think it's going to. I'm with the eight-inch group. Uh, but some of you are going to be disappointed because of what you expected. You have all kinds of expectations. You have expectations of people and experiences. Today we're going to continue learning. We, we learned last week about a guy named John the Baptist. His name's John, but he got the term the Baptist because he was baptizing uh, people. Uh, we're we're going to look at his story and his wrestle with the expectations he had of the king that had come. He had a certain expectation of Jesus, the Messiah, the one who would come and set all things right. He had expectations and it wasn't necessarily going as he thought. Uh, we're going to read in Matthew 11, and so if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. I'm going to ask as, as we read this that you would stand with me as we read this um, passage. Would you stand if you're able to? Matthew 11, starting in verse 2, it says this. It says, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No? Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. See, John had been anticipating the king coming, and he had these expectations of what the king would look like, but more importantly, John had these uh, expectations of what the king would do. See, John thought that the king would come and rule with might and power. Uh, the, The followers of God, the believers of God, were being oppressed. Uh, They had been forgotten, and they believed, John specifically, that this king would come with radical judgment, Uh, that he was expecting this king to do something about those who were oppressing the people of God. And now John, believing this, And expecting the king to do this, he finds himself in prison. He finds himself on the cold floor of a jail cell, wondering and doubting and questioning. He orders, uh, King Herod uh, orders that that all the boys under the age of two uh, be put to death when he hears about this king being born. See, Herod is the one who was in power at that time. And and John believed that that Jesus was going to come in, the king would come in and overthrow a political system. Uh, John actually finds himself in prison because he's pushing against the powers of that day. He's actually calling out Herod because he dismisses his own wife and begins a relationship with his sister-in-law. And John says, look, you're, you're in power, you're in position of influence, and you're doing this. And so he, he calls him out for it and now sits on death row. John is waiting for what will happen for his, in his future. And so John questions. Uh, the first thing I just want you to, to realize, and it's pretty obvious in this story, is that just John questions. He wonders and he doubts. While stuck in this prison cell, he begins to think, Was all of this worth it? Has what I've been doing and fighting for and everything I've believed in, is it worth it? He says, go go ask Jesus. I just, I need to know. Would you go ask Jesus, are are you the one? Are you the one we've been waiting for and expecting? Or or is there someone else that's going to come after you? John's wondering, was I wrong in thinking Jesus was the one. See, this is the same John who in his mother's womb, another miraculous pregnancy, who is born to an elderly couple who's never had children and through the miraculous gift of the the Holy Spirit, John is uh, conceived and, 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 and born. And while John is in his mother's womb, 
he hears the voice of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the scriptures say that John leaps in his mother's womb. This is the same John who just last week we talked about who said, Jesus is the greatest and there's no way I could even untie his, his sandals. This is the same John that baptizes Jesus. Who when he baptizes Jesus, the, the heavens literally open and the voice of God speaks about Jesus. There, there is this moment that John experiences that many never had the opportunity to experience. This is a moment for John where he sees what God is doing. Yet he still gets to this point where he's just like, I don't know. I don't know. My circumstances, my situation, the thing that's going on in my life is just causing me to question, is this really the one that I thought was to come? And see, I don't think this question that John asks is out of anger. I don't think he's mad. I think he's just longing to know if it was worth it. The future that John is facing, can John actually face that because the king has really come? Will it be okay that no matter what happens in the days preceding, because John eventually will meet his maker. John will actually be beheaded. And so is there actually an opportunity for John to have joy in the midst of his circumstances and situation. Maybe John isn't necessarily just questioning Jesus, but he's questioning myself, himself. Maybe John is wondering if he had missed it, if the things he had committed himself to had been worth it. Did it matter? I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that place. If you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like you've been faithful to what God has called you, called you to, yet in these days, you find yourself at a place where you're just wondering, and God, are you, are you who you say you are? Are you going to do what you say you will do? I mean, maybe you would even say, God, I've sacrificed so much for you. I've given my life to you, yet I'm suffering right now. Some of you are dealing with a lot. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you have committed to one another and you are fighting for your marriage and you feel like you've included God in this, yet, yet things seem to be really difficult. Or a constant fighting of sickness for yourself or someone else. You're struggling financially. You're living a generous life, but just it seems like you can never get ahead and you wonder, God, is it worth it? Is the life I'm living worth it? Grief has overtaken you and you wonder. Jesus, are you the one? Are you, are you really the one who's going to make all things right, whether it's here or in the future? Is what I'm doing worth it? See, John's questioning this. John was for sure, but his expectations aren't being met. And so it's his current situation and circumstances, but it's also what he's hearing Jesus is doing. See, the, the second thought is that, that John hears in prison what Christ is doing, which leads him to ask the question. Uh, John's waiting for the king to overthrow the political powers and to make thing right, things right for those who are oppressed, who is himself in the current situation. He's in prison waiting for his future to be decided, and John hears what Jesus is doing. So what is Jesus doing? If you just look at the account of Jesus' life in the book of Matthew, we, we see him take a few moments where he preaches to a crowd and he, 
uh, preaches this part that's called the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus says things like, the kingdom is for those who are spiritually bankrupt. Those who think that there is no God for them. Those who are empty and lost but seeking. Jesus says, the kingdom is for you. Jesus says, the kingdom is for those who are mourning. I mean, in, in a deep grief and mourning, it's hard to see that there's something good still happening. And Jesus says, the kingdom is for you. Those who are merciful and show mercy to people, the kingdom is for you. If you're fighting for peace, the kingdom is for you. If you are persecuted for what you believe, the kingdom is for you. Jesus is preaching a message that didn't sound like the one that John expected. He's expecting to Jesus again to come and overthrow a government with power or might. But Jesus is talking about things like love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and to be generous and to give to those in need. He doesn't come preaching a message about power um, against the government, but he's preaching about a message for all people. For all people to have a change of heart. For all people to commit their lives to fully loving God and fully loving their neighbors. And so John's thinking, this isn't what I thought was going to happen. This isn't the king that I've been anticipating. I mean, does Jesus even know where I'm at right now? Does Jesus know I've been fighting against the powers and I've been speaking up against things and I'm in jail? That my life is about to end? Does Jesus even know this? And so John pulls his disciples together, those who were learning from him, and just says, look, I need you to go talk to Jesus for me. Could you just, could you just go and hear from him that he is the one? And so if you get this picture, you have these men who have to go to Jesus. Jesus is probably in the midst of maybe performing miracles or he's showing mercy to someone, and these disciples have to tap Jesus on the shoulder and like, look, John, I don't know if you remember John. Uh, John's the one who was preparing the way for you. He expected you to be the king and overthrow governments. Remember, he's the one that the baptized. Do you remember? He's your cousin. And, and I'm sure Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I know who you're talking about. And they're like, well, he's having some problems. Do you, do you know where he's at right now? Je Jesus, do you know John's story and circumstances? Do you know he's in jail and he's really in jail because he's thinking he's being faithful to you? Do you know that, Jesus? Jesus, he just needs to know. Are you the one? Are you the one that was to come, to, to come and to rescue and to save and to make all things right? Or should he and us and everyone else expect someone else? Is there another one? Is there another one that will bring hope to us? Is there another one that will bring peace to us? Is there another one that will give us ultimate joy? Should we be looking out for someone else? Jesus, could you tell us? Because what we were expecting is not being met. And then Jesus responds to John's question. Now, now here's something that I often think about when we begin to think about what we believe. If you have relationships with people, or maybe you're here today and you're like, look, I don't know what I believe about God, and I'm, I'm struggling and I'm wrestling. We want this to be a place where you can come and do that. And oftentimes, our belief gets hung up in an intellectual thought. And what I mean by that is, can I, can I prove that, that God is real? Can I prove that Jesus is the one that we've been waiting for and looking for? Can I, can I argue myself 
into it. William Barclay, who uh, writes commentaries, he says this, the supreme argument for Christ is not an intellectual debate, but experience of His changing power. So we could argue and debate about what we think is true about God, but we can also see what God has done or what God is doing. I just have to tell you, I don't have all the answers. Uh, It was several years ago when I got to a point where I was wrestling and struggling and doubting on my own and trying to figure things out, where I just got to a point where I said, I have had a box that I've been trying to put God into. And when I would struggle or wonder or question, I would take that and I would try and stuff it into my box and I would try and figure out how it could fit into my idea of who God is. But then I would just come across things where I just felt like I have no answer. I don't know why. I don't know why that happens or that didn't happen. I can't explain certain things theologically, but here's what I know to be true. I see lives that are changed. And even as you read the accounts of Jesus, oftentimes you see people who are like, I don't know what happened. All I know, I was blind and now I see. I know you're wanting more about who Jesus is. I can't give it to you. All I know is I was blind 10 minutes ago and now I can see you. My life has been changed because of Jesus. And so Jesus' response is not an intellectual response. He, he doesn't go back and try and point to everything that was pointing to him theologically, belief-wise. He simply says, go tell him what you're seeing and hearing about me. That there are people who are blind, who are gaining their sight. That there are lame who are walking and lepers who are finding healing and deaf are hearing, dead are being raised, and those who are poor are hearing the good news. Go tell John about what people are experiencing and how lives are changing. Jesus, once again, is redefining the kind of kingdom he has come to establish. He doesn't go tell John, just wait, I'm going to overthrow a political system. He says the kingdom comes to move into people's lives, into their hearts, into their minds, and for lives to be changed. See, there's power in the name of Jesus, and there were chains being broken. However, John finds himself in chains, wondering, well, I find that as well. Is Jesus going to remember me? And so sometimes... God doesn't do what we want him to do or expecting him to do or what we think he should do. And so a lot of times we begin to question, God, I've been, I've been praying for that. God, I've been telling you what you need to do. And it doesn't happen. And then we begin to wonder, okay, God, are, are you really the one? Are you really the one who I think can do what I need you to do? And so we have to get to this point where maybe we have to admit, I I don't have to figure it all out theologically. I don't have to argue myself into the kingdom of God, that I can experience the love of God, that I can experience this life-changing power of God. And so we have to wrestle and get to a point that we have to be able to answer, can we trust even when our expectations aren't being met? Can we trust a caring father, a loving God, when What I think should happen doesn't happen. Maybe what God is doing is better than what we expect. Uh, Maybe it's not about what God can do for us, 
but what God has done, done for us, that the gift he has given us. And, and part of that is relationship, that Jesus comes, that the, the scriptures say that God moves into the neighborhood. Jesus enters into our world, and it's a relationship that he's after. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was going to pick my daughter up, and I was running late, and so I kind of ran a red light, and almost immediately I see the lights behind me, and the, the siren hits me, and, and so I, I pull over, and I get my license ready, and the police officer walks up, and as he's walking up, I realize that it's a friend of mine, a guy that I, I know. And I'm thinking, this could be good, but it's also going to be a little awkward. And so uh, the officer begins to walk up, and he's like, excuse me, sir, could I see your license? And, and then he just stops, and he sees that it's me, and he kind of shakes his head, and he's thinking, <laughs> you know, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? And my thought is, you pulled me over. You should know why you pulled me over, but <laughs> I know, I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, I gave him the answer that I know he was looking for, and so he he asked for my license, and he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a warning. And so he comes back and gives me a warning, and he says this, you should frame that. You should frame that because I don't, I don't give warnings. I don't give warnings, but I'm going to let you, let you go. Now, here, here's what I thought in that moment, is that the grace that God gives us costs. He decided that what we should be possibly punished for, the guilt, the shame that we experience, Jesus coming says, I'm setting you free from that. And, and when we wonder why, it's because he has moved into the neighborhood. He has come relationally to be with us. And so maybe God is working. Maybe God is moving when you don't see it. Maybe in the midst of your suffering and your grief and feeling overwhelmed, God is still doing something. There was a story this week. I saw a picture. I'll show this picture uh, to you. This 94-year-old woman was baptized this last weekend at a, local, at a local church. Her name is Ophelia. Now, Ophelia was not new to the church. She had been in church. Uh, she said she had been a Christian for years. But it wasn't until her roommate, Joy Campbell, told her about the gospel that she realized she did not have a personal relationship with Christ. Her quote is, I want people to know it's never too late. Get with it. <laughs> right? And this is my thought. This is my thought. There's a lot of us that expect certain things about God, that we expect certain things out of religion and, and the church. And maybe our expectations are different than what God is wanting to do in our lives. She had an idea who God was. She had probably heard uh, hundreds of sermons about him. But until she realized the gospel, the good news of the gospel, that there is a separation between us and God in our brokenness, but that God has provided a way for us to be brought back into right relationship with him, and it's through Jesus. And at 94, someone, a friend, shares the gospel with her, and her life is changed. And so I can't argue intellectually what happens. I can't argue how, how to uh, figure out every little detail about who God is, but all I know is that God changes people's lives, that he is rescuing, rescuing people and redeeming people. 
the kingdom that Jesus was preaching about and bringing into our world would not be one that everyone would appreciate or accept. It actually did go against the power structure that had been set up, but he wasn't going to overthrow it with power or might or war, but through love, through fighting for peace. And so maybe in your searching and wondering and doubting and questioning, Jesus is responding to you, not with an argument. He's not trying to talk you in or fix all the doubts that you have, but a response that says, look what I am doing around you. Jesus responds to the crowd. Uh, He's asking them, you who went out to see John the Baptist, what were you going out to see? A reed swaying in the wind. It would have been very common to see reeds along the Jordan region being blown in the wind. And so the question John's saying is, were you just going to see something that was ordinary? Just that was common that you could see all the time? Or were you going to see someone who was dressed in fine clothes and had it all together? No, 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 that would have been a king. That's not who you were going to see. You were going to see a prophet that would point to the kingdom that was coming. Jesus is emphasizing once again that the systems of the world were going to be challenged, but not by power. Just as John the Baptist would have been speaking truth to power, Jesus' message was as well, but it was just being put into practice in a way that John did not expect. And so Jesus is asking the crowd, well, who are you looking for? John's wondering, are you the one I'm looking for? And so then Jesus just throws it out to the crowd. Who are you looking for? Are you looking for someone who is going to overthrow with power? Or are you looking for a king who will come humbly and full of love? And so what happened then isn't really that much different than what happens for us. We expect God to do what we want him to do. Our prayers rarely, speaking of my own experience, rarely are they, God, what are you doing, as much as they are, God, this is what you need to be doing. We're creating a God that we think is best for us and the world. There's a quote, a lot of people get uh, credit for saying this. I don't know who said it, but uh, it says, in the beginning, God created man and woman in his image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. We're trying to create God in the image that works for us. And so we hear things, people quote things, and I often think, Jesus didn't say that. Uh, Jesus didn't stand for that, or Jesus wasn't about that. We, we speak about things as if he did. We fight for things that maybe Jesus wouldn't even be fighting for, or we fight against people that maybe Jesus wasn't fighting against. It's very easy for us to to form this Jesus or this king that fits our narrative and what we want him to do. And this is what John had done. John had formed his own God. But what if God working in our life doesn't look like what we had hoped for or anticipated? What if the results don't come? What if he doesn't answer those prayers? What if we suffer? And really, not what if, but when you do. When you do. When you grieve and when you mourn, what do you do? What will you do? Maybe God is moving in our midst when we don't see him, feel him, or recognize him. Maybe he's showing up in simple acts of mercy and grace and generosity and kindness. 
Maybe the kingdom of God is not one we can argue others into, but we can live out our lives in such a way that the kingdom is made evident. What, what if, what if God isn't found in the power structures? What, what if God isn't in a certain political system or party or side? What if he's working to establish a different kind of kingdom? A kingdom that maybe overthrows the political system subversively, not with power. See, Advent, as we've said, is about expectations. And so what are we expecting? Maybe now is the best time to recognize that your expectations of God and what he would do or should do hasn't happened and you've been let down. Maybe now is the time to begin to think, what was I expecting of God that he hasn't done? And you admit that and you recognize it and then you begin to say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? As we repent, as we talked about that last week, repent means just to turn, to turn back to a 180. Maybe it's the time now when we turn back to a God and his kingdom, not our own. That we see we can have a different set of expectation that God is doing a new thing in you and around you. John saying, are you the one? Are you the one? And Jesus' response is, look at what I'm doing. Look at how my kingdom is moving in and amongst you. As you stand as I pray. Father, I thank you for today and an opportunity to begin to question our expectations of you. That we've had ideas of what you should do or shouldn't do, of who you should bring down. And, and God, I pray that we would see that this kingdom that has come is different. That a kingdom of love and of grace and of mercy, it will overthrow systems. But it will not do it by might or by power. So God, would you help us in the moments when we wonder and we doubt and we question. I'm thankful, God, you gave a response to John. You didn't punish John. You didn't get angry at John. You answered his doubt and his wonderings. And so Lord, I pray in these moments and these quiet moments even now. Some of my friends here have doubts and they're wondering and they're grieving and they're mourning and they're suffering and they're wondering, are you the one? God, would you encourage them this morning? Would you help them sense your presence that you are near to us and with us? We are expecting something, God. Would you help us to expect the kind of kingdom that you are bringing? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.